Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. See, when this thief says in verse 40, he says to the other thief, we're in the same condemnation and we're receiving the due reward of our deeds, it reveals that he has a knowledge of a distressing direction and a distressing destination. He said condemnation. He used the word condemnation. That was awful. It is awful. It is terrible to describe yourself as being under condemnation. He knew his sins were sending him right down the middle of the road to hell. Everyone who is saved, who's called on the Lord, because they know that their sins are sending him right down the middle of the road to hell. They know that. And when he says the word condemnation, that revealed that he had a knowledge that his fate was sealed. Everyone that's saved realizes that their fate is sealed and there's no second trial, there's no second opportunity, there's no appeal process here for them to try to justify themselves. And then when he said in verse 40, he said, we receive the due reward of our deeds. He said, we receive we are receiving. He was saying he understood right then he was receiving man's judgment, just man's judgment, but not receiving God's eternal due reward. There was a sense of urgency with him. I mean, this reveals a knowledge in this thief, time was running out. Of course, we can look at it and say, yes, time is definitely running out for him. But he knew time was running out for him. People who get saved understand that their time is running out and there's a sense of urgency. They may not have tomorrow to be saved, which is why the word now is emphasized in 2 Corinthians 6.2. 2 Corinthians 6.2, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. This last week, great saint went to be with the Lord, left this earth and went to be with the Lord, Norma Young. How many of you remember Norma Young? A few. Okay. Together with her husband, Rusty, they lived their lives with this sense of urgency. The time was running out for them to get the lost saved. You know, both Rusty and Norma, they were, they were saved in Iowa at a very early age, and both of them vowed to leave Iowa and be missionaries to a foreign field, a foreign land, and to work as fast as they could because they knew the time was running out for the lost to get saved. They were married in 1947, this after the war, and 10 days after they were married, Rusty was shipped off in the Navy and left. And so in the Navy, Rusty looked for opportunities to get the law saved. And when his ship was sent and docked in Hong Kong, Rusty thought, great, Uncle Sam has paid for me to go to Hong Kong to get the law saved. 
That's nice. And so where a rusty ship was docked there in Hong Kong, he was standing on the deck of the ship, and he looked down and he saw this girl selling bags of popcorn. And so Rusty thought, that's great. I want a bag of popcorn. So he went down there and he bought the bag of popcorn. And as soon as he paid the girl, she ran off. And so he just said, that's funny. So he starts eating the bag of popcorn. And then he finds out that the bag of popcorn has got popcorn on the top and the rest of it's filled with newspapers. (laughs) So Rusty says, oh, no. (laughs) So he said, I'm going to go find that girl. So he goes off looking for that girl and he found her. And he told her, he says, I'm not going to report you if you come with me to church. And so he brought her to church, and she got saved. Not long after that, she was killed. But she went to heaven. And that experience just set for Rusty the emphasis, time is running out. Rusty and Norma then went to Guadalupe uh, in the Caribbean. And they worked there for 10 years and established two churches, built them up. Then they went to France for 40 years, established five churches, and that wasn't easy for Norma. See, both Rusty and Norma, like I told you, they're from Iowa. They're from, they were corn farmers, corn farms of Iowa. When Norma was five years old, she was run over by a tractor. And she suffered from that for the rest of her life. It messed up her hip. She always had a limp. She tried to hide it, but she always had this limp. But she never complained, and she never gave up on reaching the lost with the gospel because she knew the time was running out for them. And so in France... Then she had all kinds of things. She contracted Guillain-Barre disease, and it paralyzed her, and the paralysis started from her toes and moved all the way up to her head, and they thought when it hits her heart, she's going to die, but she didn't, and she recovered from that. But she kept on in France, never giving up because she knew the time was running out for the lost to get saved. I used to visit Rusty and, and Norma regularly in France, and I watched them work tirelessly getting the French people saved. There was just an energy about them. It, just, it was just fueled by this pressure that time was running out to get the lost saved. I mean, I, when I would stay in their home and I'd, I'd get up early in the morning, you know, because I was on jet lag, so I'd get up, there'd be up, Rusty, he'd be up. And I'd say, Rusty, what are you doing up? I said, how, how many hours do you sleep? He says, about three to four per night. Why? Rusty had this energy because he knew the time was running out. Rusty and Norma, they worked till they couldn't work in France with the knowledge that their time was running out. Last Tuesday, like I said, Norma went to be with the Lord, and then Rusty told me, he said he can't walk because his right leg is paralyzed from a blood clot. Their time to reach the lost in France, it ran out. But they seized their time in France to get as many of the lost saved as they could. And today, all five of their churches are pastored by French pastors. Now, you might think, is that unusual? Yes. Only 6% of evangelical churches in France are pastored by French pastors. Their churches are, they have a problem. Their churches are trying to decide, should they build or should they add another service or should they make another church? Time continues to run out for the people in France. Last year alone, a thousand Catholic churches, a thousand, a thousand Catholic churches were sold and converted into mosques. Time is running out and they knew that. Time's running out for us in Ethiopia. The Lord has given us a beautiful 12-acre business mission complex there in a 95% Muslim area. We built on that our site a dormitory for 104 men, 400-seat auditorium, two study halls for what? To train men to be send them into the Muslim areas of Ethiopia. And that part of us sits empty. Why? Lack of a teacher and a director for the institute. Our time's running out. Just 80 kilometers away from us, from our complex, a Catholic church and a dorm was ransacked. 
two weeks ago by the Muslims. They took everything. They set the priest's house on fire. Time's running out for us in Ethiopia. We're praying the Lord will harvest. Join me, please, join us. That he'll send the workers. The thief knew that time was running out. That was important. When this thief asked the Lord, remember me, in verse 32, that was significant. To simply ask the Lord Jesus to remember him, it, it reveals a knowledge that physically he couldn't do anything. Physically, he could, nothing could be done to merit his salvation. He knew he, he, he couldn't now use his hands physically to do good works. His hands were nailed to a cross. He, he knew that he couldn't physically use his feet to walk in God's ways of righteousness. His feet were nailed to a cross. Physically, his body was hung up to die. And he was there quivering in excruciating pain. He can't lift a hand. He can't lift a foot. And so his request is just to remember me. And that shows a knowledge that physically he was hopeless. Everyone who comes to the Savior for salvation understands that he's just like that thief, knowing that he can't do anything physically to merit his salvation. He's as helpless as someone who is nailed to a cross, and all he can say is, remember me. When he said, remember me, he had a knowledge that morally he could do nothing to merit his salvation. He knew that morally he had, like all of us, some more than others, he let his soul and his body just be blown away, blown or carried away by the winds of sinful passion until he had now crashed up on the rocks there. And that's what happens to everyone who say they know this. See, this prayer of remember me, it reveals the knowledge that morally he was hopeless. When he says, he says remember me, it reveals the knowledge that spiritually he, had, he, he, couldn't, he, he had, could do nothing to merit his salvation. He knew he was, he was dead spiritually in trespasses and his sins. And the prayer of remember me reveals that spiritually he knew he was hopeless. But when the thief prayed to the Lord to remember him, there was an anxiety. We can feel that anxiety. He's not at peace. His prayer to remember me, he knows, well, obviously I'm gonna die, but I'm not ready to die. He knows he's gonna die, but he's anxious because he's, he's not ready to die. He's clinging to the last moments of consciousness that he's got to get this done. The prayer of remember me reveals that he must be saved before he dies. Overall, this, this prayer of remember me, it just reveals in him this anxiety that physically he's hopeless, morally he's hopeless, spiritually he's hopeless. He's described like us in Ephesians 2.12 Ephesians 2.12, that at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant God, having no hope without God in the world. That was a distressing fate. But he, then he goes on. He knows he's got this distressing fate, but he's also got a disturbing fear. And he talks about the fear. To, his, to, his, to, to the other thief, he says, dost not, dost not thou fear God? See, that's a disturbing fear, a fear of God. That statement reveals a tremble in his soul. He had a tremble in his body from the pain of those raging through his body. Was, and that was, he had that. But this statement, beyond the tremble of his body, shows a tremble of his soul. It was a fear. The tremble of his soul had just, this fear just gripped him. It was a, it was a fear that, He's responsible. 
I'm responsible for my incriminating acts that I've done against God. I've been caught by man. I've already, uh, I've already gone through the fear of man and what man could do and was doing to him by crucifying. That was a fear of man. But now much more than the fear of what man could do to him was the greater fear of what God could and would do to him as he faced the judgment of God. And so he, said, he talks to his other man. He says, don't you fear God? Don't you fear God? We receive the due rewards of our deeds. That meant from man. The next, the next act is going to be the due rewards of our deeds from God. Aren't you afraid of that? That thief on the cross could see all of his sins now rising up in front of him. He could no longer squelch out his sins. You know, on Wednesday, Clinton and I were together, and, and, and we saw some workers, loud, very, very loud music, very loud music. Couldn't even, so I asked Clinton, I said, you know, why do, they, why do they do that? I have this loud music on. So Clinton told me that one time he had a lost friend, and he, he had the loud music on. He says, why do you listen to that loud music? And he said, that's so I don't have to hear myself thinking. You know, on this cross, this thief, there was no loud music, and there was nothing preventing this, cro- this man from thinking and hearing himself, hearing himself think. And all of his sins now rose up in front of his eyes. He recognized, I'm going to have to answer for every one of those sins, like the Bible says in Romans 14.11. Romans 14.11, for it is, it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess, so that every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And that will be the day of judgment. And thank God that this thief could hear himself thinking because, because when he did hear himself think, he thought, I need salvation. We're in no better position than that thief on the cross. Every one of us is gonna give an account of ourselves to God. If we personally do not know the forgiving power of the blood of Christ, if we personally don't know the cleansing power of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. If we personally don't know getting right with God through the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're as lost, as hopeless as that thief. We're as undone as he was because we're gonna have to answer for our sins. And so it was this disturbing fear of his sins. It was, and it was of the impending doom that he could feel approaching. And in the light of that fear, he says, we're in the same condemnation he knew that from Acts 17.31, Acts 17.31, God hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. And Hebrews 9.27, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that the judgment. The problem is no fear of God. Psalm 111, verse 10, Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Where there's no fear, there's no faith. See, when you look at the Philippian jailer, what's interesting about the Philippian jailer, it was only after the, the earthquake happened and the jail shook that the jailer then thought he was gonna die. He comes trembling to Paul and Silas and says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? In Acts 16, 30. The prayer of this thief reveals not only that there was this night of distressing fate and this night of disturbing fear, but there's also this dawn in him of hope. There's a dawn of hope, of, 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 of faith and hope. See, he says, Lord, remember me when thou comest to thy kingdom. What happened for him to have this change? Because he just heard the Savior pray out loud in verse 34. 
Jesus said, said, Jesus, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He just heard that. And he grabbed a hold of his words. Think of how this thief there, he, 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 he's, he looks at the one thief over there, blaspheming against the Lord, speaking against the Lord, mocking the Lord, vilifying the Lord, you know? And then he, he turns his eyes, he watches the Lord Jesus, and he hears him say, Father, forgive them. And then he says, I gotta make a decision. I, I can either go with this one as blaspheming, or I can go in the way of faith and hope. And so his decision was to believe. His decision was to have faith in the Lord Jesus. Because where there is fear, there is faith. And he didn't have the background and all the privileges that we have, but he had faith in the Lord to save him. He's nearly out of his mind with pain. He's hanging on a cross. He points his swollen ears to hear the Savior say, Father, forgive them. He turns his aching head, his neck, you know, to look up there on the cross and read that sign. This is the king. This is the king of the Jews. And he thinks, you know, we don't know, but there was also another custom in those days. They used to hang a placard around the neck of the accused. And maybe for the Lord, they had it around there. that said he called himself the son of God. That was the accusation from the Jews in John 19, 7. The Jews answered, Pilate said, we have a law and by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. But this man, he sees what he sees. He hears what he hears. He pauses in his pain and he believes and he turns to the Lord Jesus. What a miracle of faith. So he stretches out, so to speak, his soul, and he's in essence saying to the Lord, would you think on me? Just think on me. Cast an eye toward me. You know, like the hymn says, there's a fountain filled with blood. The dying thief rejoiced to see the Savior, the fountain in his day. There my eye, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. I do believe. I will believe that Jesus died for me, that on the cross he shed his blood from sin to set me free. His faith is resting in the Lord Jesus as the Savior God and the King God. That's what his faith was. So when the thief speaks, he then makes reference of his entry back to heaven. He says, when thou comest into thy kingdom. It's remarkable. It's remarkable. He says there's a king of the Jews. So the king is obviously not his kingdom here. Let's see, you know, look what they're doing to him here. He's going to go back. And when he goes back, he's saying, when thou comest into thy kingdom, he's saying, I can see the angels worshiping him. I can see the heavenly host welcoming him back. I can hear the hallelujah choruses as he's returning to heaven. And he says, Lord, when that's all happening and all that's filling your mind, can you just remember me when you come into your kingdom? Just at that time, Lord, remember me. Now the Lord gives a response. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. This is the message the Savior gave at the cross. That's a message of assurance. He didn't say maybe or I'll see what I can do about it. When the Lord Jesus said today, that thief was assured of immediate salvation. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today, it's not just assurance for that thief, but that for the word today is a death blow that salvation is a matter of working your way to heaven. The word today is a death blow to any thought like that. It exposes, the word today exposes the false idea that good works and sacraments and rites make a person eventually achieve salvation. You know, at, at Israel Restoration, we make a booklet for Orthodox Jewish people where, and the title is, How Much is Enough? How Much is Enough? 
Because whenever someone goes down the road of working for acceptance by God, they put themselves in this burdensome life. There's never an assurance of having reached the minimal requirements for entrance into heaven. But the word today frees a person from that road of working for God's acceptance into heaven. The word today frees a person from the fear that they haven't reached the minimal requirements, the minimal standards to enter heaven. Like I said, a, a couple of weeks ago, I, I spent this afternoon with this ultra-Orthodox rabbi and from Jerusalem. And when I told him, I was talking to him about the power of the cross. And he said, okay, what does your cross tell you you must do? <laughs> I have 613 laws that I must do. What does your cross tell you that you must do? I said, my cross tells me the word today. <laughs> it under- my cross tells me done. Your 613 laws tells you do. <laughs> you know, so I said, the fact the Lord Jesus could say to this thief today, he was going to be in heaven, shows the basis for the thief's salvation was already done for him by the Lord Jesus, as opposed to saying do. That's why the word today brings assurance that our salvation has been done for us by the Lord Jesus, and we're not in a do mode to get to heaven. When the Lord Jesus said today, that was the end of trying to reach heaven by all these rites and sacraments and so forth. The history of this thief, it shows us that in order for anyone to be saved, there's got to be this knowledge that I'm in a terrible straits. There's got to be a crisis. There's like a crisis It's like a a terror of the soul and a decision. And then comes Acts 2.21. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Then comes Romans 10.9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So in his word, what the Lord Jesus said to the thief, there was the assurance of immediate salvation. In his word, there was the assurance of infinite satisfaction. Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. David said in Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. He said to the thief, salvation is yours now. What a great message we've got that any person at any time can stand and cry out like this thief, Lord, remember me, and the Lord will respond, today shalt thou be with me in paradise? Is there any wonder why we get excited about this? Any wonder why we, we get excited about a message, today shalt thou be with me in paradise? Any wonder we preach our hearts out? Today, what immediacy? With me, what companionship? In paradise, what happiness? That was the Savior's response to the sinner's prayer. It was a response of assurance, assurance at the cross. That's why I must cry, Lord, remember me. That's why you must cry, Lord, remember me. And when we do that, then we hear the Lord say, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word to us. And we pray, Lord, that these would be like seeds in our minds that, Lord, we would take care of and think about and that they would work and germinate and prepare us as we head toward Good Friday in the remembrance of you on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Join Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown at the Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference happening in San Diego on Friday evening, February 9th and Saturday morning, February 10th at the Creation Museum in Santee, California. Learn from great Bible teachers like radio host Tom Cantor from Friendship with God, as well as world-renowned Jewish evangelist Ray Comfort, radio host Dr. Michael Brown, director of Jews for Jesus Israel Dan Sered, Friends of Israel field director Steve Herzig, Pastor Leo Giovanetti, and many others. Cost for this two-day conference is only $25, which covers all speakers, food, and materials. So register today to hear Tom Cantor, Ray Comfort, Dr. Michael Brown, Jews for Jesus, and Friends of Israel on how we can reach the lost people of America and Israel on February 9th and 10th. Call us at 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at reachisrael.com, reachisrael.com.